this podcast. My have bad words because my daddy says words like sh, damn, and other bad words too much. Listener description is advice. Hello and welcome to the Detox Podcast, a podcast for dads. Hey, John, John. Never mind, me, go ahead. You want me to go, go yeah, again? Yeah. Three, two, and one. Hello and welcome to the Detox Podcast, a podcast for dads where dads talk about life, kids, and stuff. We are your hosts. Galan. Joe. And I am John, and we have a great podcast for you today, yet again. You may have listened uh, last episode we had on Galan and Joe's dads uh, for the start of, of Father's Day month, if you will, and we're going to continue that on today with our podcast that's actually releasing on Father's Day. We had comedian, Fox News host, uh, what else, author, author. Tom Shalhoub on uh, to talk about his new book, Mean Dads for a Better America, so he's going to he's gonna. Explain what that means to be a mean dad and uh, why it may not be as bad as you think. And that, that was that was a fun interview. Yeah, and it's not like Mean Girls where it's like, stop, stop trying to make Fetch happen. Hashtag Fetch. <laughs> but it's, right? you never seen Mean Girls? Yeah, but I just wanted to say what so people wouldn't oh. know that. And I oh. cool. <laughs> <laughs> but first I want to say, Joe, happy Father's Day, man. Oh, thank you. Happy Father's Day to you. John. Uh, huh? Oh. Guys. <laughs> Have uh, anything you want to say to oh, me? Oh, John, to the to the multi- multitudes of three hundred million kids that won't ever be. <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> and we're off to a great start. <laughs> I'm gonna edit that out. Yeah, for the newer listeners, listeners of the show that do not know, I am on this podcast with Galan and Joe. Yeah. They're both fathers. Uh, I'm not. I'm gonna Joe, die alone, and they like to remind me of that wait, every chance. No, no, they no, get. no, no, no. John is the voice. My voice is cracked. The John boys. is the voice of, of reason. He's the one, you know, he's there to question, why do you guys do that? Yeah. Or to be like, hey, there was a woman in IHOP that let her kid just wail like a banshee and didn't do shit about it. Like, what's up with that? Would you guys had, do that? Yeah, it's because she had unlimited pancakes, so she didn't want to take her eyes off the prize. Dude, unlimited pancakes are, you should not underestimate the power of unlimited pancakes. I don't. I could go, underestimate the power. <laughs> I could go for unlimited pancakes right now. Even with the belly full of beer, I could totally go for a carb load right now. Hashtag belly full of beer. <laughs> belly full of beer. Hey, guys. Um, beer belly. <laughs> <laughs> that laugh belly was great. No, it's, it's... Okay, so I, I just want to say uh, this, that we are going to get in later to our regular segments of Ask the Dads, Dad Jokes, and Things to Check Out. Uh, but uh, first, we wanted to catch up with the dads around the table here, so... Galan, I'll throw it back to you. Uh, the man that started out as a scooter, Galan. What's what's been up, buddy? <laughs> yes, hashtag scooter. Oh, God. <laughs> so uh, we actually recently we had a garage sale. So a, a few months ago, my dad had a garage sale. We didn't sell everything. I mean, and actually, for having boxes of girl clothes from every size, from zero to four T, I'm like, I'm surprised we didn't sell more clothes because, like, we actually. I like to think we have good taste in clothes. Um, we had that, you know. Uh, my great aunt came over and, and sold some stuff, and we had we had just a handful of people. My dad came over and sold some stuff. Man, you know, I hate garage selling. I hate going around to garage sales and being and, and looking at stuff. And it's hosting one is 
that's not any fun either because you're 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 waiting in between the the people coming and. Does it make you feel like a true dad that you have garage sales now? I do. Yes, yeah. and it's like I actually wanted to have it in the garage, like with a <laughs> like. You're thinking, you're thinking up gimmicks. You know what people don't do. <laughs> people people don't go to garage sales and actually have them in the garage, man. They have them in the yard. It's a yard sale. They call it a garage sale. That's something to do. <laughs> you're like you're pushing it to your wife, Teresa. We could actually have a garage sale. No, Teresa's and, and, and I did. You're yeah. making a joke out of it, but I actually and she's like, well, no, because I people, like the then, innovation. people will come in and be like, well, is that for sale? Like talking about the stuff on the, mm. the show. It's like that is a GD box. It's not even labeled. <laughs> no, it's not for sale. Box O stuff. I'll give you ten bucks. For I it. did have I did have someone in my dad's garage. So I had someone come up because I was playing my guitar, and he came up and he's like, how much for the guitar? And it's like it's a nice Martin guitar, and I'm like twelve hundred bucks. And he's like, it's a garage. So I'm like, do you see a price tag on it? He's like, uh, no. I'm like, all right, it's not for sale then. What if he was like, I'll give you a thousand in cash right here? I would have done it because I could have paid off the credit card. Well, there you go. There you go. And then there bought something go. else with better financing rates. There you go. Actually, it's hard to beat zero for 36 months for 0% interest. And that, my friends, is the American dream. <laughs> <laughs> better financing. Better financing. Um, it's always right around the corner, guys. <laughs> but no, it, it, you know, there was something that came up, and we'll get, we'll get into it later because we're going to talk about swimming, but... There was an opportunity for my my little kid to go to like a little water hole uh, by over where John and I grew up, and I you know was going to be recording the podcast and I couldn't go with her and um, you know it, there's something about my kid being in a body of water when I'm not there and she can't swim yet that freaked me out and and I I wasn't really comfortable doing that and it ended up raining so she couldn't go but. Um, but it, it, we're going to talk about swimming and stuff, but it's just that, you know, that was an opportunity. And she swims in the backyard and everything. We've already started swim season. Like, as soon as May rolled around, we started uh, filling up the little inflatable pool. And then it got a hole in it. And so we had to buy a new one because she was distraught that her swimming pool wasn't working right. Oh, totally. But it's like, man, that A, it makes her extremely hungry. And then B, it wipes her out. She takes good naps. Which means <laughs> that then I can come home and, and play PS4 with John. That's right. Because she's, she's out like a lamp. Nice. Out like a light. I should stop talking. Joe, what have you been up I'll to, buddy? Yeah, yeah, wait. Let, let me do my fake intro for Joe. Oh, go for it. Although this is this is based in truth, as we learned last episode. The man that stole his mom's minivan <laughs> so he could apply for a job at Target, <laughs> it's Joe. <laughs> that was literally the only place I knew where it was. Besides my friend's house, who they weren't home when I drove by. So I went, where else can I go? Target it is. I love it. I'm so glad your dad shared, start, like, instigated that story. Oh, man. You that brought back so many memories. live that down. I also didn't know how to park. So, uh, well, You know there are fact, two lines, color between the lines? Mm, well, no? you're okay. driving a minivan. I've only parked... At that point, I'd only parked a Toyota Camry ever. So I'm Whose fault to, is that? Uh, well, apparently mine. Just, I mean, just the way so, life worked right. out. So I, w- I found a parking spot that was like at the far end of the store so I wouldn't have to actually like park next to people and then I just walked all the way up to the store if I were there I would have taken a picture of it and posted it on Facebook well luckily yeah, you would have. luckily Facebook wasn't around then wasn't Jesse Eisenberg hadn't even created oh, that's right that was like almost 15 years ago yeah Alon would have posted some rant on Zanga <laughs> hashtag Zanga nah, rant that, that, that was probably like live journal era there man oh um, okay uh, yeah, so AOL. back, uh, I got two things that were interesting that just make me a proud dad. Um, over Memorial Day weekend, we went out to uh, my wife's grandpa's lake house in East Texas, and it was something where I wanted, I've always kind of 
enjoyed the fact that my dad taught me how to fish and we, you know, rarely ever caught anything, but it was a, a memory I hold dear. And I was excited to teach my, my daughter to fish. Um, but it rained most of the weekend and it was kind of frustrating because, you know, I wanted to take her out to fish, but it was like, you know, I'm not a pro that would go out while it's raining to catch fish. Cause here's a tip for you when it's raining, it's usually easier to catch fish because they're drawn to the surface with all of the, uh, I don't know the technical term. It's a dad fishing pro tip. Yeah, there it is. So I learned that what, from what we become known for. I learned that from Amanda's uncle. So it's it's either late at night, early in the morning, or like when it's storming really bad, you can it, get them up. Interestingly, in a nerdy way, I to could interrupt be wrong. That. Feel free to correct me. <laughs> no, no. By the way, the not, opposite could also be true. You're not, <laughs> you're not wrong because what I've learned is is in Minecraft because the video game confirms everything. <laughs> what? But. When it rains, you have a better chance of catching fish in that game. So it's like if it's, hey. if it's in a video game, it has to be true. Right? I stole this from a, a Redditor, but uh, here's a dad joke on Minecraft. You know what Minecraft taught me? What? Not to waste my diamonds on hoes. <laughs> my, Minecraft dads. Okay, I, I got that, and I don't okay. even play Minecraft. There you go. There, there you, you go. go. So anyways, <laughs> we digress, as this podcast is prone to do, but... I there was a two hour window where the rain had stopped, the sun came out, and I took advantage of it. And I said, I'm going to take my daughter down to the dock, and we're going to fish. There was like a little kid. People leave fishing poles down at the lake for everybody to use. It's just kind of the way it is. And there was a little kitty fishing pole. So I went, this is great. I took one of the hot dogs I had cooked the previous day, and went, we'll just use this as bait. I don't. Oh, that's healthy for the fish. <laughs> I don't. That's healthy hey, for it was, the fish. It was kosher to... hot dogs. Okay. You know what also isn't healthy for beef. the fish? Catching them. <laughs> Yeah, and then eating them. Yeah. I knew we wouldn't catch anything, right? And I I pretty much knew, because we didn't have solid bait, but I'm like, whatever, it's fun. She gets the idea. Her favorite thing to do, so I put like a little piece of hot dog on it, and I showed her like casting, and I helped her cast, you know, and she knew the safety, like, you know, you let me touch it. It's a hook. It's, you know, it's very dangerous. Her favorite thing to do was go to the dock after I would cast it, press the button, reel it back in, and then when she saw the bait, press the button to drop the line all the way down again. <laughs> she did that over and over again for at least 30 minutes straight. But my favorite part, besides like that, because that was a lot of fun, was when we first got started and she we did it a couple times and she saw how much fun it was, she went, hold on, be right back. And she didn't actually leave the dock because that would be unsafe. She just like turned around behind me, grabbed something, and I turn around. She's got the whole rest of the hot dog, runs up and throws it in the lake and yells, here, fishies, bait. Uh. Oh. <laughs> and I went, Sylvie, now they're full. They're not going to want to get our hot dog. And I go, you know what? Never mind. The joy on her face of, oh, I get it. We yeah. we put the hot dog in the water and the fish eat it. You're, You're like, trying to feed awesome. the fish, man. <laughs> yeah, that That's cute. what she took from it. So that was a lot of fun. Um, the other, so it's just, those are special memories that like I'll remember forever is teaching her how to fish. The other thing that was really special was she's been very... Um, she has like a one of those magnadoodle things where like you take a pen and you draw on it and you know and then you erase it. It's kind of like an etch a sketch, but magnadoodle has the pen that goes with it. So she has that. And she used to just draw a bunch of lines, but lately she's been very particular about drawing pictures that she can see what they are and she has a vision. I can see that. So I went to the craft store and bought like Crayola washable paints and bought some like cheap poster boards and went. I think she really would benefit from painting. So I bought some cheapo brush brushes, put a smock on her. We went out in the garage. I set up this whole painting station and she got it. She like started painting and like stopped, understood what was happening and had a vision in her mind of what she wanted to create switched from brush to brush when she finished each thing. And I've got the 
finished product over there that I'll show you guys, but it's like, it looks like kind of an older kid did it. And she didn't make a mess. She didn't get any paint on her clothes, her smock, anywhere else. Oh, she kept it didn't. very contained. And when she got done, she was like, I'm done. This is my picture. And I was so proud because I'm like, I thought you were ready to, for more kind of a more advanced medium, if you will. And she proved me right. And that's cool. those are just really cool memories that I have. So that was fun. Nice. No, that's awesome, man. Right on. Well, guys, later on in the episode, we're going to be talking about some uh, summer, some summer dadding. Uh, Hashtag. Yeah, had me summer a blast. Um, and we'll talk about things like swimming. That's going to be fun. But Slipping first, yeah. guys, our our yeah. Father's Day main event. We'll be right back with comedian, author uh, of the new book "Mean Dads for a Better America: The Generous Rewards of an Old Fashioned Childhood," and most importantly for the show, a dad, Tom Shalou. So Tom will be with us when we get back. All right, we are here with Tom Shalou. Um, he's an American stand-up comedian, uh, Fox News host, actor, and a storyteller. Um, he recently released a book on June 6th called Mean Dads for a Better America, The Generous Rewards of an Old-Fashioned Childhood. How's it going, Tom? Good, boy. It sounds good just to hear the title read like that. Like it's, like <laughs> it's real. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, you know, it was an interesting experience. Um, I, I I'm guess looking back now. I was born... I was born in 66, so I don't need you guys to say your age, but you know, my, <laughs> my, uh, my experience was, and I almost didn't say when I was born, I didn't want to put my birthday, but the publisher said, yeah, we got to do it. We got to get specific with the times. But the thing is that I feel like the experiences with my dad, you know, it could have been anywhere from the 50s, 60s, 70s, or 80s, you know? So, uh, right. you know, hopefully it, it, you know, it spans that nice demographic. No, yeah, yeah, for sure. That was something that um, reading through is is it was reminiscent of, of how I've you know like I've grown up. John is my age, and, and it seems very different than how kind of the general modern parenting is. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so I think one of the first things that that I would uh, I'd like to ask you is what and we've kind of asked this of all of our guests, but it's like what do you think makes a great dad? Well. I think, and I define mean dads as, you know, after a couple of chapters in the book, I mentioned that this is how I define mean dads. It's that a, a mean dad is a, an old-fashioned kind of disciplinarian dad, the kind of dad you were scared of until you were 10 years old. And that's the dad that I had. And I think it's funny that those kind of dads almost aren't allowed anymore. You know, dads now are so much more of the, uh, the touchy-feely dad and the modern dad and and the caregiver, and there's so much good about that. But there was also so much good about what the way that I grew up, which was when I describe it to people, they kind of some of them laugh, and some of them stare at me like, you know, I'm I'm telling them, uh, you know, a horrifying tale because I'm scared <laughs> of dad. You know, the guy scared right. me, like I described him in the book. Dad was Darth Vader to me. He would wake me up with his breathing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. And then he'd say, get in the car, you know, that Boston accent, like, you know, and we'd run down, we'd get in the car and he'd drive. He didn't tell us where we were going and we couldn't ask, you know, maybe we could, but we were too afraid to. Right, right. So, so, but the thing is, I look back and I say, 
dads were meaner, teachers were stricter, bullies were tougher, and yet we we were happy kids. We grew up okay. So when I'm, you know, as a dad now, I try to look back to my dad. And even though I can't be a mean dad like my dad, like those days have passed, I'm trying to sometimes channel my mean dad in my own parenting and be a little bit meaner because I feel like the ideal dad is somewhere between the mean dads that we had when we were growing up and the, the kind of um, modern dads that we are today. No, that, that's a good point. It's with, you know, it's kind of funny. You, you talk about, there was one of the things you mentioned in the book where, you know, the dads generally didn't discipline their kids um, around the other kids, but your dad had no problem doing that. So the neighborhood kids were kind of like, man, if, if he's like that with him when we're, when we're around, what's he like behind closed doors? And so everyone kind of had a healthy fear of, of your dad too, if yeah, I remember the, the book thing. correctly. My dad knew that he didn't want to just scare us. He wanted to scare everyone in the neighborhood because <laughs> then they wouldn't mess with him, you know? So, but the thing was that he was, he, he was unafraid to be mean around all the other kids. So he'd come home from work, he'd get out of his car and all my friends would just flee and run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they thought me and my brother were, uh, you know, they were like, Oh, poor, poor Tommy and Billy. You know? But the thing was, once we got inside the house, you know, it's like after work, dad's after work. That's not a good time to talk to dad. You got to wait until he changes his clothes. And my dad was like, Mr. Rogers, he changes, uh, change into his sneakers, his, uh, his button up sweater, you know? And then he was mellow, especially after he ate dinner. Yeah. After he got a roast in him, he was as mellow as could be. He'd sit down, he'd right. roll all in the family and he was happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's something you, you mentioned all in the family. That's something that that's very different from how, you know, childhood was back then you had shows like that whereas nowadays i mean people look back at married with children and and see it in as being almost like a too much of a reality of a check of, of how families were at, at that point in time and how they are now so that's interesting that you mentioned all in the family um, and we could compare our dads with today's dads to compare to the disney channel dads okay so my dad was compared to the rifleman this is a dad who carried a rifle so my dad didn't seem that mean. <laughs> it's kind of interesting like talking like going through and and there's one of the stories you tell where mr buck you know had built this awesome tree house and then eventually took it down and it's one of the things that is something that that i i'm concerned about uh, you know raising my daughter and i have a four-year-old by the way so it's i'm still very new into the journey of being a dad but he he took it down because of liability and before you called in i was talking to the other guys about my own situation where you know i I'm overly concerned about the neighborhood kids being over and climbing on the crepe myrtles or whatever it might be that they're going to fall, hurt themselves, and we're going to be held liable. So we kind of try to limit our kids. And it seemed like, based on your book, like and based on my experiences, parents weren't like that back then. I mean, do you think that being overly careful with our kids is a detriment to them, or do you think that that's better parenting now because we're keeping their safety in mind? The thing is, I have a theory that you, you know these videos that they show online with kids jumping off the roofs and, you know, they do backyard wrestling and they jump onto their uh, ping pong tables. And it's, yeah. I feel yeah. like they're more dangerous today One, because you can't stop a kid from taking risks when he's 16 or 17. Uh, the thing is that with the helicopter parents of today, I feel like the kids bottle it all up because they've been so protected. So they take unnecessary risks when they uh, – 
you know, when they're doing these jackass videos and the things, you know, when they're trying to copy these YouTube <laughs> videos, it's so dangerous. Whereas we broke our arms when we were seven or eight years old because we were out running around. Our parents weren't supervising us. Or right. we'd build a fort and we'd, you know, we'd build it with nails and we'd forget to turn them over. So when we crawled into the fort, we'd just get a nail in our head. And, you know, so <laughs> we, we were always bleeding and breaking bones and coming home and our parents would be like, all right, get in the car. They'd take us down to the emergency room. So they were much less careful. But somehow, I feel like when we got to 16, we didn't feel like we needed to jump off the roof onto a card table. That's a very good point. Um, kind of just to pivot a little bit, I want to say, so you talk also about your kind of your education and, and, you know, going to going to public school. And one of the things, one of the anecdotes I thought was really funny is that you mentioned you, you probably went to public school because the thought of paying taxes to the school and then not utilizing that school would have killed your parents. And that just, I couldn't stop laughing at that part because I think, well, that's, <laughs> That's that's a logical point. I, I think of that myself of like, why would I pay all this money and then not utilize this resource? Exactly. I mean, my parents were very Catholic. There, were, there was a Catholic school right in our neighborhood, and they are very devout Catholics, but they're, they're also very cheap. So it would have paid them. <laughs> paying them to pay tuition to send us to a school that we weren't using. So, um, yeah, so we went to the public school. But the public schools in Norwood, this was... This is classic Norwood, uh, Massachusetts suburbs, very Irish Catholic. So everybody I knew was Catholic in grammar school because they were all in, you know, in my neighborhood. And we most of the town was Catholic. And uh, and then we all went to, you know, we'd see each other at the at the parish on the weekends as well. You know, right. And I, I think it's also interesting. One of the things I liked, you kind of had this anecdote about when you went to, and uh, pardon me, I, I was raised Baptist, not Catholic. So I, I was trying to get caught up with all the terms as I was reading it, but you went to, to uh, Catholic uh, education on Wednesdays yes. or Wednesday yes. afternoons, right? Yeah. And then, so you had this worksheet about circle all the people that were sinning versus the people that weren't sinning. <laughs> and everybody missed the one where the guy's just sitting there doing nothing. And the nun had told you, well, they're, they're wasting their time. Therefore they're sinning. And your parents were like, well, that's kind of a load of crock because they could be doing anything. <laughs> yeah. And I just love that, that you have this anecdote of your parents and your dad had even less words than that, but your, your parents just, just, constantly like they were very devout, but they also were not afraid to challenge something if they didn't feel that it was, you know, lining up with what they knew to be true. And I, I think a lot of times you see, and you can, you know, I'm interested to get your thoughts on this. A lot of times I feel like you get parents that are either very religious to where they accept everything or, you know, they're not involved. And so they're kind of like their kids are left to kind of make the decisions themselves. And I feel like you don't have kind of a good critical eye towards beliefs a lot of times nowadays. Yeah, they were very they were very devout, and they were also, they were, they kind of, you know, when you find people who are, de who are devout with their religion, they're also rebels, because they are going to challenge the church, you know, when, when they disagree with it. So when I was a kid, it was basically, go to church, you know, just like, <laughs> you know, there was no explanation. It was like, you go to church. In fact, one time I remember when I was very early teen years, I was probably 12 or 13, and I skipped church. And my parents found out about it. And my dad cornered me, and he said, this was his explanation to me. He said, my grandfather went to church, I went to church, you go to church. And then he walked away. <laughs> that was all he gave me. I was thinking, like, that's all, Dad? You don't have any kind of no, Bible verse to read me or anything like that? It was just, you know, <laughs> do what you got to do. But then later on, in my older teen years, uh, they would, 
you know, they would like that the lesson you mentioned that they they were they were more apt to sit down and talk about doctrine with me when I was kind of ready to hear it. But as a kid, it was just right. like you do what you're told, you go to church, and that's all I could deal with then. But then when I, you know, it's like when you're a teenager, you need to you need a little more than that. And so they were willing to kind of uh, uh, talk uh, doctrine with me, and uh, you know, it was a little more about the philosophy and the faith behind the rules, you know. So one of my one of my next questions I have that I, that I was curious about. So of course, with your your time at Fox News, and of course the subject matter you go over, then what what brought you to want to write a book about parenting instead of a book on something along those lines? Well, I went to a publisher. I did uh, a, a book pitch. I I put together some stories and I sent them out to the publishers, and then I went out and I met with them all, and they said, "Oh, well, you know, you're you have a show on uh, you know." Red Eye, which is off the air now, but we were on from three to four in the morning on Fox News. And they said, don't you want to do a political book? Talk about the issues. This was a lot of the publishers wanted to do. And I said, isn't everybody sick of the issues right now? I mean, come on with the issues. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like, I mean, I mean, I'm in this business and I love, I love my job as a comedian on a news talk show is to try to make light of the news, which is getting increasingly difficult because no one wants to see the light side. They all want to kind of go to their battle stations. So I said, why don't we do a book about, about life, you know, about family, about parenting. And it's going to have my values in it. But all of my fun stories, when I talk to people, if I get together with a dad and we're having a beer, I don't want to talk about the election. You know, we've been hearing about it right. all the time. And I'm thinking, if I publish a book about, oh, 10 reasons why we have to think this way or that way, I, I'm thinking nobody's going to want to read it. Uh, yeah. So to me, I feel like it's time that we we can stop talking about issues. It's like I, I shouldn't even say this because I work in cable news, but aren't we sick of cable news? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's a really really good point. And it, it, I I do have to agree with you. It is very refreshing. Um, you know, when I when I saw the title "Mean Dads," I wasn't quite sure what to expect, and then you know, reading through it, it was a very refreshing to just get these anecdotes of this is life. This is people. This is how we parented. This is how, you know, these are the lessons we can take from that and kind of apply today. It was very, for me as a dad, it was very, a very helpful reminder of the good that I can take and, and kind of, you know, let something slide. Cause some, not everything is so serious. Not everything is needs to be kind of the way we make it nowadays. So I appreciate that. Yeah. And also Thank the tone you. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, your writing style is very conversational. It's yes. very much it's, and and I think you know whether you're a fan of that or not. It's it's refreshing to hear your anecdotes and not a not from a a, a normal quote unquote like writing perspective. You're not writing fiction. You're telling stories about your life, and I think that that definitely helps the way that the book comes across of of being. Hey, these were my experiences. These this is my experience. These are my experiences now. So I thought that was actually a really cool um, an an aspect of the book. Uh, the, way, the way you, yeah, that you write I it love, is very being conversational. That's how I love stories. Like, as a comedian, I love the comedians who talk about their life. I mean, I love a joke uh, as much as the next guy, but I want to learn what's behind it. So my favorite comedians have always been people that reveal something about themselves. And that's where you learn. And I wanted to do a book where it wasn't well, – I think a lot of people, if they look at the, the subtitle, The Generous Rewards of an Old-Fashioned Childhood, they might think – that it's going to be a guy saying, oh, when I was a kid, it was a lot better. And you guys, you know, the world is horrible today. But I didn't want to say that. I want to say, this is the way I grew up. Isn't it funny? You know, because some of the things, you know, there's a chapter when my mother tied me to a tree when I was a kid. 
Now, <laughs> you can't get away with that today. You cannot tie your children to a tree. But, you know, in the time she was busy, she was not going to hire a babysitter, tie the kid to the tree, he's going to play out in the yard. So I look like a little dog up there running around the tree. But, you know, if you did that today, uh, you know, social services would come knocking. So I'm not saying, hey, everybody, go tie your kids to a tree. But I want to tell the story. That's the way I grew up. It did happen, and it's kind of funny. But you know what? There's other things. You might not want to tie your kid to a tree, but there's a lot of other lessons in there that you can learn from my mom that, you know, you kind of can borrow some stuff from her. So it's like, to me, it's like, I don't, I'm not here to tell lessons. I love to tell stories, and everyone's going to take their own lesson out of it, you know? Yep. Well, and I thought the one thing was interesting was when your mom actually let you out of the tree or away from the tree, you, you were out in the middle of the street playing. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. That's the reason I tied you to the tree. That's kind of funny. Um, but one of the, the one of the interesting things that that I think that I like to get from from dads and um, is, it, I guess, what's your proudest moment as a father? Like, what are some or more moments if you have um, multiple children? Like, what are some of your proudest moments? I like when my I see my kids doing something out of out of uh, sight or out of earshot. You know, I love when they, um, you know, because kids today, they're so guided and some, and they're, they're always looking like my, my kids play uh, softball, like little league, you know, and the girls, mm-hmm. they take a swing, they take a swing and then they look at the coach and, you know, they throw a pitch and then they look at the coach. Like kids today are so guided and they have, you know, they have so many that their parents are always around and the parents at all their games. You know, when I was a kid, like I said in the book, we played Little League. Our parents didn't come to the game. My dad got me in Little League so he could get the kids out of the house. <laughs> you know? And it's like we had a coach yelling at us. I said Little League was nine innings away from that uh, scowling authoritarian at home in favor of the scowling authoritarian on the bench, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. so, but today, the kids, the parents are everywhere. So I like to live in the Bronx. I like to let my kids run around. You know, they go into the woods a little bit. I can hear them. Maybe I can't see them. And uh, so sometimes the kids get into fights, and I don't intervene. And my, my wife will start to walk into the woods, and I'll, she'll hear them. And, I'll, oh, my kids are being mean. I said, oh, let them work it out. So everyone around here in my neighborhood knows me as the work it out guy because I don't like to intervene. <laughs> I would say, work it out, work it out. And if the kids come crying to me, if my daughter comes to me and she says, oh, this boy hit me, I say, work it out, and I send her back in. And then if a neighbor says, your daughter did me, work it out, you know. So I'm kind of the mean dad of my neighborhood. And <laughs> they, but when I, but then when they work it out, they actually do work it out. So, uh, you know, I'll hear my kid, when I say work it out, she goes back in and she sucks it up and she apologizes. But I didn't tell her to apologize. So I get prou- proud when I see them taking initiative and um, if I can get them to apologize without saying you've got to go apologize, that's what makes me proud. That's really good. I mean, that's, I think that's what, what every parent hopes that we do. Like we send them out and they do the right thing on their own. We're, we're just trying to equip them to do that. So that's actually a, it, one reason I like that question is it, it's every dad is a different answer and every, yeah. and every answer so far that I've taken away from it has been, man, I, I, I need to do, I need to incorporate that into how I parent. Um, you know, and it's, I mean, there's no, pretty much every guest we've had on in multiple episodes that we've talked about, there's no manual for this. There's no guide. This is the, the one job that you can do without getting certified or passing some sort of test. Um, and so it's, you know, 
yeah, it's just being able to take something away and be like, man, okay, I need to provide less guidance and, and let them let her. I mean, she's four. There's only so much she can figure out, but let her figure <laughs> out as much as she can on her own because she might very well amaze me and give me my own proud moment. So I really appreciate that answer. Now, one of the things I, I really liked from the book is when you, you kind of wrap, you wrap up the book by talking about your uncle Bobby's funeral and how your dad gave the, the eulogy. And then you, you talk about how when he gave the eulogy, you, he, you had a sharp, a sharper image of your dad. You know, you start with the book with your dad of this stern authoritarian Darth Vader esque figure, and you end it with this guy who can deliver this eulogy and, and you have a tremendous amount of respect for. It. And so I'm, just kind of want to pitch to you. Do you think that we can't fully appreciate our dads until we are dads ourselves, or at least appreciate all they've done for us? I think so. And especially a, a mean dad, you know, quote unquote. And I say in the book, mean dad, I want everyone to know, because I think sometimes they look at the title and they think mean dads, are you kidding me? You know, but <laughs> you know, there's abuse is real. It's real. It's out there. It's in the world. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying it in a kind of a humorous way. Mean dads are the disciplinarian dads. Mean dads are the guys who aren't afraid to not be your pal, but be your, uh, you know, your kind of drill sergeant. You know, they're not, they're not afraid to, to be a little bit mean when they have to be. And so now my dad, if you looked at him today, you'd say, Shula, what are you kidding me? That nice old man, you know, because, <laughs> you know, he's, he's mellowed. He's out there in the desert. He lives in Arizona now, and he's out there. I know it's a desert. It's, it's mellowed him out. But my kids, <laughs> well, they, they hear these stories about my dad, and they say, Grandpa Shalu's not mean. What are you, crazy, Dad? But the thing is, it's like from my little perspective, my little man, I'm looking at the guy, and he's scary to me, right? But now when I was at my it said my Uncle Bobby's funeral, he gets up there. I watch him work. He's, he's the same guy, but he's giving a speech, uh, and he's – He's talking about the value of, of Bobby, and he's doing a better job than I could ever do. I'm a performer, okay? So my dad gets up there, and he's working the room. He's in his element. He's in a church. You know, the guy, <laughs> you know, he's giants at funerals. I mean, the guy, has, he'll, he's only spoken in front of about four crowds. It's been at a funeral every time. <laughs> he, uh, but he's got a very strong moral code. You know, that's why he was scary, because... He, he had a, a, a very strong vision of right and wrong as a kid. And, you know, that's not what a little kid wants to hear all the time. So, you know, he's like, he's a scary guy. But as an adult, I look at him and I think, listen, he didn't have to be my pal as, as a little kid. I mean, he, he, he helped shape me, right? So now I'm like, I'm looking my dad in the eye after the funeral. And I say, you know, I'm thinking he, he comes walking up to me and you know, I thought he was going to ask me, how'd I do up there? You know, you're a performer. Hey, Tom, you're the big comedian. You get up in front of audiences. And he walks up to me and he, he pulls out the, the eulogy on, on the paper. He pulls it out of his pocket. He sticks it in my face and he says, put that in your book. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife looked at me like, you two guys are really something, you know, because he's, he's challenging me. And so how do I close my book? With his eulogy. I did what he told me. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Still listening to dad all these years later. But it's about appreciation. Um, now, the thing is, I, uh, and I don't even think I said this in the book, but I was writing about the book. I was writing an article about it. And I said, 
you know, what's a mean dad? A mean dad is a guy, he's, wait, he's willing to wait 50 years for a thanks dad because a lot of the, uh, the, the raising of kids, a lot of times you have to make decisions where there was an ad on TV I remember seeing, and the dad said to his daughter, you know, she was going out dressed a little too revealingly or something. I think it was an ad for a, a church group or something like that. And he said, you get upstairs and you change that outfit right now. And she goes up and she puts on a more conservative outfit, like a nice sweater. And then she's leaving and she turns around and she says, thanks, Dad. And she walks out. And I was thinking, that's not the way reality is. That girl left no. very angry. <laughs> no. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Teenage daughters don't thank their dad right away for disciplining them. They, you know, right. but a, a dad is willing to wait until they're an adult to get the thanks. And I think a lot of times you can... Um, you know, I'm, a, I'm approaching my 51st year, and I can look back at all the times that my dad made me angry, whether he, you know, was forcing me to go out for the track team when I didn't want to, I was too lazy, or he refused to let me quit my paper route. He says, you're not quitting that paper route. I was like, Dad, I don't want to do the paper anymore. He says, I don't care. He, and I, I didn't understand why. And maybe he didn't understand why. Maybe he was just being his normal, mean self. But even if he was wrong, in fact, I think he was wrong. He should have let me quit that paper route. But... <laughs> But he was willing, he, you know, looking back now, it was, he was always putting in the effort. And so uh, I know why he didn't want me to quit the paper route. You know, whether he was right or he was wrong, he was doing it because he loved me. So you don't realize that until you're older, and it's all about appreciation. No, that, that's a, a really great point. And, you know, I think it's, it's great that you clarify, you know, that, that mean dads isn't necessarily mean. Like you said, it's more of a, a kind of a – play on it a little bit of tongue-in-cheek of, of it um it, it was definitely uh an interesting read uh to go through and, and see what i can take and i have actually i'm not a note taker when it comes to stuff yeah. but i was taking <laughs> notes during this book of again trying to pull it's like how can i re-examine myself as a parent and so yeah. i think that that's one of the important things um and especially for our listeners that may look at it and say what what is a mean dad you know i, I really hope they pay attention to what you said in, in the point that you make talking about discipline, because that's something that is missing in my opinion from a lot of modern parenting is we want to be, we want to be buddy, buddy with our kids. We don't want to hurt their yeah. feelings or, or, you know, crash their fragile little egos. And it's like, sometimes you have to tear that up to, it's like a muscle. You have to, to break it down so it can build up and be stronger. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's the, um, uh, even with the mean dad and I joke about the fact that I was afraid of my dad until I was 10 years old, but you know, we, we, it, it, the thing is, I always, even though there was a lot of quote-unquote fear, there was a lot of security. So I always knew I was safe. You know, at the end of the day when I went to bed, we had the dad, we had the mom, you know, we, we had the, the brothers and sisters, there was the bullies on the playground, but there was a moral clarity to my world. So even though I had a mean dad, I always felt safe, and I always knew that I was cared for. Right. And that's, that's an incredibly important thing, you know, to have our kids feel that way. I you know I, I think we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap up. I really want to appreciate your time again. The name of the book is "Mean Dads for a Better America: The Generous Rewards of an Old Fashioned Childhood." You know, it, it came out on June sixth, and you know, after reading it, I, I definitely suggest that anyone listening to this go and check it out. And um, there are people that I've already told to 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 give it a read, um, if even if they don't agree. Again, a different perspective, something to to make us think about what we're doing question our own parenting i think is an incredibly important thing so thank you so much uh for taking thank time, you uh to to, to and come and have a conversation with us thanks so much guys and i there probably should have been one more page in the book the very last page i, I could have said 
I may be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the disclaimer. <laughs> and I, uh, I, and I, I would could... like to mention if. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tom. No, everything you've read so far, I could be wrong. It's very possible. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say, if you like, uh, if you like what you hear with Tom, and you want to check him out, you can absolutely follow him on Twitter at Tom Shalou. That's spelled S H I L L U E, and uh, his tweets always crack me up. So I. I uh, was browsing through that earlier today and uh, was just cracking at a lot of that stuff. So thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, guys. Great touch. So guys, that was Tom Shalou, man. He was really cool coming onto the podcast and talking about his new book and sort of clarifying what he meant by mean dads. Yeah, I remember when we first, the possibility of talking to him first came up and I'm like, I mean, I, I feel like I'm kind of a mean dad, but I'm like, man, what is he, what is going to be the, the gist behind the book? And it was really interesting to, to get a chance to read it and, and, and then talk to him about it and clarify that, you know, it's meant more of the, the whole tongue in cheek kind of like, oh yeah, you're mean because you discipline your kids. And it's something that I really do think is is missing, um, but yeah. So you know, there was some stuff that that going through that we didn't have the opportunity to um, really get into. So I thought you know this would be a good oppor- uh, a good chance to uh, to do that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Dead air, soak a long can belch. <laughs> I'm just gonna Wait, let you in on like, what like just happened. <laughs> Oh man, I I felt that coming up, and I was like, I I'm not going to be able to avoid that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to leave that one alone. Wow, thanks, John. Thanks for selling me out there. Well, I I thought can can we talk real quick about uh, a couple of things that Tom said that I thought were really valuable for every dad to hear? Of yeah. course. Um, and I can tell you that with certainty, not being a dad. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but one of the most profound things I thought he said is that a, a real dad is willing to wait to get the thanks for discipline until their child's an adult. Yeah. And I think, yeah, a lot of times you may feel like, Oh, they don't even know what I'm doing for them right now. They don't understand it. I'm doing exactly what I should be doing out of love and my kids responding in such a negative way, not understanding, but it's just that ability to remove yourself a step back and be like, you know what? I know what I'm doing. I, I'm confident in why I'm I'm doing it. And one day when they, they look back and I've equipped them for life, they're going to, they're going to be thankful for it. Yeah. I think that's very key. And I think it's also something we kind of addressed too in the last episode when we had our dads on that. It's like, you know, yeah. you kind of know being a dad and something that I think Galan and I can speak to having realized is like, you're doing a lot and you know, you're not going to get the thanks for it. But as Tom said, you know, you're willing to wait until you're 60 or until you're 70 or however long you need to wait to get that things back when they finally kind of recognize. I mean, like I mentioned when we had my dad on, I didn't realize the full extent of what he did for me until I was a dad. And then I thanked him immeasurably, but it's, yeah, that was very valuable what Tom said. Cause that's true. It's very true. And it's like one of the things that, that I've shared with Joe that I actually haven't shared with John is I started the blog and I'm, I'm horrible at blogging. Um, but I started a blog where it's like, I just type. I type stuff with the hopes that Ellie will one day read it. Um, <laughs> I just felt <laughs> dude. You're gassy, man. Oh, yeah, but it's, you know, it's, it's one of those where it's like years later, it's, she's going to read that and, or hopefully read it one day. I mean, it, it's owned by Google, so hopefully it'll still be around. But it's one of those where it's like, I want her to understand my thought process and, and 
let her know that it's like even if I came across seeming like I I had it all together that as a parent you don't it's a constant grapple of man am I going to get this is this going to work is this am I doing the right thing and so it's that's a, that's a really huge point but one of the things that you're going through and reading is he talked about there being you know excitement over McDonald's that he mentioned you know his dad would be you know get in the car and they were going to go and they wouldn't tell him where they're going and the the brothers he and his brother would be like man i i hope we stop at mcdonald's like they wanted yeah. to stop at mcdonald's like even back in the 70s the mcdonald's the the need for mcdonald's was real like kids yeah they had already cracked it. the code on marketing yeah for kids. i will like, say i just watched the founder with michael keaton and that a movie, great movie it was yeah, so good that. i couldn't help but be hungry the whole time and when it ended I went I must have McDonald's burgers right now. Yeah, that's the thing like sometimes I'll still get excited about about McDonald's <laughs> and then I'll like get McDonald's because I'm like I can do whatever I want I'm an adult and right. then I eat McDonald's and I'm like ugh. Wait am I the only one that, that's put, gone gotten a 20 piece nugget and just put it away by myself? Yeah. Oh, I shit. think so. <laughs> no, are you kidding? I'll tear up a 20-piece McNugget. That's my meal. I don't get a side of fries. I just get a 20-piece meal. Oh, why wouldn't you get a side of fries and a Coke? you got to get I the mean, Coke if you're going to get it. F- that's a fat dead. I don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't drink Coke, sir. I drink Diet Dr. Pepper. Oh, that's true. Sorry. Hash, hashtag diabetes. But, but anyways, yeah, like like their marketing has been so effective that you're still excited even yeah, though it's, it's just like McDonald's. And it's that's like the, the toys back then weren't nearly as cool as some of the – like right now, like they're – they have little like beanie babies, and it's like Ellie's over the moon about them. She thinks they're so cute. They're like the big eyed, creepy ass things. Yeah, but it's you know it's it's just you know and again it's like, it was just an observation. I mean, it's, those are McDonald's sponsorship. Um, yeah, great. Yeah, the, <laughs> I'm was, loving it. Um, <laughs> but right, one sorry. of the things he said is like expecting. So in, in that is you know they thought that their dad was had an attitude of expect nothing because you deserve nothing. And it's like they realized years later that it was that's a per, that was just a perception they have. They assumed that was the case. Their dad never came out and said it. And what's funny is one time their sister was like, "Hey, can we stop and get McDonald's?" And the dad was like, "Okay," and pulled over. All they had to do was ask. And I thought that was I thought that was yeah kind of funny, but mostly just about McDonald's. And it's like the magic years of ago, McDonald's. Yeah, it's like it's, yeah. I also think it's so that's really cool. One of the things that I really like that, <laughs> that's really cool, but that's cool, but not as cool. But as anyways, to back to the show that Joe and I are doing. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but he talks about when he's older, um, this like friend's brother. I, I forget the full details, but somebody starts playing the meatloaf album. Uh, oh, which one? I would do anything. Oh, shoot. For I don't remember the... which one is. Uh, we have the book right here, and I could look it up. But his name is Robert Paulson. I'm not going to. The point is, right. he plays a meatloaf album, and at first, Tom's like, "This is awful. This is awful." And he's like, and "Then the more I came over, and the more it was played, the more I liked it." And then I bought the album. Oh, Bad Out of Hell. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, anything below is yeah. Okay, well, you were singing it, and I don't know meatloaf, so I was like, "Cool." Uh, I know MTV. I know meatloaf from Fight Club. Anyways, so. But he, he really does have a name. Yeah, he, he has a among other things. He has a story in there about him buying the Meatloaf album <laughs> and only realizing after he bought it what a problem it actually is with the cover art and the lyrics and everything in it. So he hides the vinyl and and hopes like his parents, his very devout Catholic parents, don't find it. But of course they do. And his dad asks him to come down to the basement, and he's like, "Oh, what's this going to be?" And his dad pulls out the lyric sheet and just starts reading the lyrics to him line after line and asks him periodically, what do you think this means? What do you think this means? And he's like, when my dad got done, I couldn't, 
I had to get rid of the album because I associated all of his songs and the lyrics with my dad in his Boston Catholic accent <laughs> saying like, what do you think this means? What do you think this means? And so he tried to get the guy to buy it back. And he's like, I'm not going to buy the album back. He's like, well, just take it. Get out of my life. <laughs> That's awesome. And so it cracked me up because I'm like, there's so many times where I'm like, I love this. Just and I would buy the CD and my parents would be like, what is this? And I'm like, never mind. Stop asking me questions i'll get rid of it I'll just, just stop, get rid of it, yeah. stop asking me just just a quick aside are there any albums that you guys had that you had to hide from your parents uh i had the stained album uh this i forget the name of it but it the song it's the one that has it's been a while uh, okay you know what I'm talking about? No. I hid that because that was the first album i bought that had a parental advisory stamp gotcha. on it it's a big deal that's yeah. the reason i hit it that's why i remember, also i didn't want them to know i was a stained my, fan yeah, one of my friends brought over a uh, Bon Jovi a Bon Jovi album, "Slippery When Wet," and I was afraid oh, was that, that I can't remember who it was. I don't know if it was a uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it was one of our friends or one of my cousins, but oh, okay. I just remember being afraid that my parents were going to see that I was listening to Bon Jovi, "Slippery When Wet." Now, see, I remember you had like you had Nirvana in utero and like Pearl Jam tin and eventually a I couple did, yeah. of them, but you kept them in a drawer. In your dresser, I don't know if you were hiding it from your mom or not. At that they point. knew at that point. I think but they yeah. were. Our, we'd already been down that road. But. No, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. Well, I mean, like, like your mom was pretty cool into rock yeah, music. Yeah, so it yeah. Yeah, she liked Def Leppard, and then yeah. you guys made fun of me, and I didn't like Def Leppard anymore. Well, we were successful. Well, now I appreciate Def Leppard. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with Pour a little some Def sugar on. <laughs> right, so you want to get rocked? Yep. So one of the other, I guess wow. we're just gonna sing songs. As yeah, well. now we're just gonna <laughs> sing Def Leppard for the rest Detox of the Detox the musical. Um, the but, D you know, Detox stands for Def Leppard. <laughs> <laughs> Def Leppard. Talk, the about. S stands for stained. Oh yeah, God! Please right. no. Um, T stands for tantric. The bad like. Are we just gonna keep what? naming? Let's bang. stop. Well, no, no. <laughs> Another thing that <laughs> stop digressing. No, no. There, there was a band like Days of the New. Like when they when they're I think their lead singer was like had drug problems or something. This so the other so guys obscure. in the band. Like for another band that was even more obscure than Days of the New because they sucked. All right, carry all right. on. I just wanted to say they sucked, man. He wouldn't let me. Oh, okay. Well, uh, yeah. Another thing that that <laughs> Tom talked about that I thought was really cool and probably goes against a lot of of parents' sort of like first instincts or whatever is is how he's known as the work it out dad yeah. around his neighborhood. Where when his kids come to him and say they have a problem, uh, he's generally he'll be like, "We'll work it out." And through that, it's taught them how to resolve conflict. Yeah. Well, and that kind of brings me to one up when I wanted to make this. It's along the same lines of, you know, as so as a kid, he mentioned as a kid he was leashed to a tree. Um, because like his his mom didn't want to get into trouble. Like she didn't. It trust wasn't him. a choke chain collar though. No, so no, yeah. Was, I just feel like we should say that. <laughs> but it's you know in, in a way modern parenting uses proverbial leashes. Like we don't want to roll the dice as as parents. Um, you know we focus on proactively avoiding risks, um, learning from the mistakes and. A trial and error we try to to say hey you don't need to do all that this is what you need to do and so kids don't go through the whole trial trial and error that i think like i did as a kid um they we let them jump into our arms instead of jumping onto the floor to learning their limits you know it, it brings up something that happened a few weeks ago where ellie was at a playground at the mall and there's like a little caterpillar over a, a tree that kids can crawl through and she was jumping down because she saw the bigger kids doing it and she was trying to figure out her limits and she had her socks on. I should have let her take her socks off because she has like really sticky feet that that just so the way they don't <laughs> like Spider Man level feet. Yeah, I mean she she just it's it's, it's crazy. She she just makes her more comfortable. Whoa, we'll be editing that. I have to edit that out. Um, <laughs> what you want? Probably not. I probably forget is why. 
But it's Sorry, so she, at one point she jumped and she misjudged where she was jumping, and so she landed and she fell and she braced herself, but her arm got the entire like impact of the force of the impact. So she jammed her wrist and she got up like she was holding her arm like it was broken. And I'm like, crap! Like my kid just hurt herself. And immediately she was like, let me jump into your arms. You know, it's like I I I don't want to jump to the floor anymore. I want to jump to your arms. Because once we got her feeling better, once we got her distracted, she realized it wasn't as bad. It, it was hurt because when you jam your wrist or your finger or something, it hurts for a little bit. Um, but it's like my first instinct was to, no, I don't want her to jump down. I, I, hey, come down a couple of notches so I know you're safe. Right. And, and now she knows her limit. Now she knows, oh, I, I can do that or I can't <clears throat> do that with my socks. And, you know, it, it, that's... It, it's me letting go of one of those proverbial leashes of she needs to hurt herself. She needs to figure out that, hey, I get, I'm get i moving too fast. I need to be more coordinated. And if I don't let her do that, she's never going to learn those limits. And as she gets older, her body's not going to be as pliable. And she is really going to hurt herself when she does try to push those limits. Right. And that's one of the things that I did as a kid is I remember like jumping off things or swinging off the stuff mm. hanging from trees figuring out you know it's like oh i didn't put my foot in the foot brace and i fell and knocked myself unconscious i, I, I learned that i learned that lesson <laughs> when i woke up i realized i shouldn't have done that yeah, yeah but it's just yeah. you know it's i not remember what i've been doing six the last months few days, later yeah actually it was uh not that anyone would know this but um johnny mirror matt burns from sure yeah it was yeah it was his tree and it's like he mm-hmm. had a swing in it and I, I didn't he's like you need to put your foot in it and i'm like no i don't i'm good i can hold on Nope, I woke up in the bathroom, him pulling like a stick out of my arm, because like, yeah. Yeah, it was... It was I honestly thought you were about to say a stick out of my ass. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Like, I had a Went stick... terribly wrong. <laughs> yeah. Went terribly I, uh, wrong. But man, yeah, just I look at how many times I hurt myself, and I learned just like, I can't, can't do that, or I can't do that yet. Um, you know, so that was a big takeaway of like, man, are there things, am I prohibiting Ellie from growing and learning more about what her limits are by trying to keep her safe? And not necessarily like safe overall. Just like I don't want her to to get hurt, and that's part of being a kid is getting hurt, scraping your knee because yeah. you're not paying attention <clears throat> to what you're doing. Going going back to just one thing that that Tom said, uh, he you know he used the term helicopter parents, which is you know a pretty common term, right? Like about for a parent, I guess that hovers around or whatever. Are do you guys think crunchy moms are helicopter parents? Are they more or less likely to be helicopter parents? Mm. I just want to use parent terminology, parent slang, so and talk about crunchy moms. I think. As I like to say with everything, you can't consolidate everything into a box. So I think everybody, so I think I'm a little crunchy and I'm a little helicoptery, but I also think I'm not either of those, if that makes sense. So but I'm also not a mom. So there we <laughs> no, go. <I'm>... But... <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right. What, but... what else going? No, I oh, just to no. cut Joe off. What else going? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think you're probably right. I think a lot of quote unquote crunchy moms tend to be more helicoptery. <laughs> I like that, we just, that's right. We yeah, just passed a judgment on crunchy mom. But I think, yeah. but I Not think the at the time. same time, there's a lot of helicopter parents that span the spectrum of crunchiness or like <laughs> they're non crunchy moms that are helicopter. And I've seen some very crunchy moms that are not helicopter at all that are very like, I'm gonna let my kids work it out and I'm gonna let my kids figure this stuff out. So I think it, it probably has a tendency because you see a lot of 
is it Venn diagram? I'm going to get roasted sure. for this where there's that cr- crossover mm-hmm. and there's, there's more of a crossover probably with those two. Than anything so else. we have the crunchy mom circle and the heli- helicopter parent circle. Yeah. <laughs> I may get crucified for this. Oh, I shouldn't say crucified. Anyways, you're going to get crucified. For oh, that. there go all the Jesus jokes. Yeah. Um, I'm just really talking about my suicide bombed for that. I'm just talking. Wow. We're, we're not wanted in like, Seven countries in the middle of the world. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. Sorry. I was like talking, talking, talking. I think a lot of times with helicopter parents, it's because parents really want to get involved. Maybe they don't feel like they were involved with their childhood or maybe their other times they're trying to live vicarious. And so I think it can be crunchy in that I want to make sure that you are taken care of. But I think it's also in the non crunchy perspective. It is. I don't feel like I got exactly what I wanted. Okay. Sorry, I was really kind of. That's the. You point really went after that question. No, that's okay. Because sort of, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I crunched right into it. I'm gonna make will. myself a bigger target here because this was actually one of the parts in the book that I, I, I really liked. And so they, they were in a couple neighborhood kids. One, one was named Michael, and he, he was. He had a, a handicap. I, I forget if he, if Tom described it in the book or not. But essentially, like, he wasn't as physically able as the other kids. And there was another kid named Timmy. Who had a bit of a lisp, you know, like a, a speech impediment kind of thing, where he pronounces his pronounces his name Hemi, and so that's was, and it's basically like when they would play ball, like in the pick teams, like those kids, in order to be involved, had to learn to overcome their adversity in order to play. And nowadays, we we will cater to, and some will coddle those kids, and so they never learn to overcome their disabilities. Maybe the kid has one arm or one leg or one leg shorter than the other. And we go out of our way to say, you're so special. We're going to make the world around you softer instead of, you know, and no one else is obligated to do that. And it was one of those where there's a, there's probably a balance between the harshness of seventies and eighties kids and the softness of modern parenting. But that was a huge thing of, we don't, we don't, and it goes back to kind of pushing limits. We don't let our kids deal with the harshness of the world. And so kids grow up softened, expecting stuff. They, they grow up in a world where they're not criticized. They're not made to adapt. And they get into the adult world in the workforce. And, I mean, they're, it's, it's not a positive experience. We're essentially having to re-raise, you know, late teens and early 20s and Hell, some of the the thirty somethings are spoiled like that. They're so spoiled and so, you know, the, the they're baby birded for lack of a better word. Where it's like they're, you know, the, <laughs> their parents literally chew up their food and spit <laughs> it into it their them. mouth. But it's you know it's and it, it, that's about a, a bit backwards from where we're at now. But it's like why not let them again figure out what their limits are? What do they need help with? What are they able to overcome? Because those those people are those individuals are going to be positively shaped by that because they've learned how to adapt. And so whether they adapt with, they, they've learned to face adversity in a way that, uh, you know, like the normal kids don't. And it was, that, was, that was such a, something that I really connected with and I'm, pro- I'm probably going to take flack for it. So if you have flack, go on and detoxpodcast.com, you know, have at it. But man, it's just, it's, we, um, you know, we we don't let our kids. I don't think we let our kids experience enough, because we 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 want to we want to experience it for them and then convey that experience to them. Right. 
So needless to say, there are it, – it's a really interesting book. You know, you, you can pick it up. We'll, we'll link it um, to – we'll link put a link to Amazon on the, epi- on the episode description that you can click either from detoxpodcast.com. I mean, we could sit there and we could review the entire book and add anecdotes. Yeah, and basically, I, I just want to say it, it is cool that, like, like Tom said, it's it's not like he's preaching about right. this is better than this or whatever. It's just stories from his childhood that then you can you can walk away with. You can find the moral in the story and what the message the message you want to take away from it. But right. it was uh, it's very cool. Thank you very much, Tom, Tom yeah. for being on the show. Yes, Again, me dads for a better America: the generous rewards of an old-fashioned childhood. Tom Shalou, um, it's S H I L L U E. You can Google it and find it or put it on Amazon. Click the link on detoxpodcast.com or the episode description. And uh, we'll be back momentarily to talk about summer and um, swimming. Guys, you know what? You want to know what one of my favorite memories is? What's What's that? that? Last summer, Ellie would tell us that she wanted a refreshing summer drink yeah now how my kid knew refreshing i have no ah, idea refreshing. but so that became a thing so in the summer of 2016 my my kid coined or started using the term refreshing summer drink sure. which brings us to our next segment which is about summer of course with summer especially here in texas you get swimming yes um and with swimming of course water Water safety and everything. It's, it's something With water. That... <laughs> Sorry. Building block of life. Wow. <laughs> Most of the planet. You guys are just like, Earth. Are just sitting there hunched over waiting for a chance to shoot my wheels off. I'm trying not to. You just make it I was, too easy. I was leading up to something and you just chopped my wheels. All right. All right. I'm sorry. Go go back. You were doing good. You're <laughs> yeah, doing well. Is... Anyway, so it's like with water, you need to have water safety. I mean, I don't... Water is, as John just mentioned, it's the building block of life. But, man, all, all it takes is one moment for something to go yep. you know terribly wrong so we're gonna talk about swimming you know joe's mentioned that his daughter takes swimming classes but you know growing up as a kid swimming was a massive part of, of my life i went to the base swimming pool because i live with my grandmother she would take me and drop me off i almost had my first girlfriend between the summer between eighth and ninth grade because Whoa. i met a girl at a pool and then she moved away a little bit into our freshman year made me sad oh, i'm sorry um dang yeah Anyway, so it's they do I, that, man. Yeah, the, the little heartbreakers. Yep. And and I, and I had like a, a chili bowl haircut, like I was like a mushroom head. Whoa. I was more like yeah, I look. My head looked like a my I look like a big giant penis. Really, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> because that's what the kind of haircut my mom would give me. Thanks, mom. I know worse for wear. <clears throat> Not been her at all. But it's like I I used to love. I, I wasn't the fat ass that I am now. Like I love to swim. <laughs> I would dive off the diving board. You know, I could I could swim the entire length of an Olympic pool underwater, and maybe even make it halfway back. Like I, I could swim, and it all started when my dad threw me into the pool at the age of two, maybe three, and told me to learn to swim. And I didn't. And then I was scared of the water, and I held onto the side. But I, I mean, you know, I I I learned to swim, and I learned to swim really well. And I would spend the summer with him. He would take me to the pool, and he when he lived in an apartment, I would spend a lot of time at the pool. And and. It wasn't until I started hanging out with a friend that had a boat that I learned about like water safety and, and going swimming in the middle of the lake without a life vest, which was a really stupid thing to do, and be like, hey, I wonder how far down I can go into the lake before I start to run out of air. <laughs> That's what the stupid things we do as kids. But um, you know, so I I want Ellie to to, to take that and, and and be passionate and love to swim, and she loves the water, like she loves her little swimming pool. But I wanted to learn to swim and to swim well. Teresa's not the best swimmer. Um, I make fun of her for that. I probably shouldn't. 
But what were you going to say, Joe? Go ahead. No, I just wanted to see how far down you could dig your hole with Teresa. That's all. She doesn't listen. Oh, well, I'll, send, just, I'll send her this clip. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> but it's, you know, it, it's, I, I'm teaching Ellie to swim. I'm, I, or at least I'm doing my best. Like, she can move in the water. Like, she's not at the point where she's moving her arms, but she can hold her breath. Sure. She can move between Teresa and I, or Teresa <clears> and me. But it, it's like going, we don't have a pool. We use my dad's pool. Um, you know, and so, and, and she really wants to learn to swim. Because I told her, it's like, you can't go in the ocean until you can swim. We're not going to go to a lake or anything until you can learn to swim and, and swim confidently. Um, but, you know, it, it's, that's a really important thing for me to learn. Plus, it's, it's really good exercise. One day when we buy a house, I want to buy a house with a pool so we can swim as, sure. as much of the year as we can. And, you know, of course, you and El, or you and you and Sylvie, you and Amanda have Sylvie in swim class. So I know you've talked about it before, but why don't you go ahead and share that experience? Sure. Because you, you have the self-taught versus yeah. the swimming classes. Absolutely. So I took swimming classes when I was, uh, I think, six or seven. And I did okay. It taught me some basic water safety. Um, but I was always scared of the water kind of a little bit beforehand. My dad says he tossed me in the pool. I don't have a memory of it. I'm not going to discredit that. He might have. I just have no memory of it. Your dad's a liar. Right? <laughs> no. But um, but that might explain my fear of the water. I always had a fear. I kind of you were scared water. of the water. I was. And so even in swim class, like, I didn't trust that my teacher would be there whenever, like, I was swimming and doing stuff. Um, so a lot of it was I watched people and watched videos and later kind of taught myself basic stuff coupled with the lessons. Um, they weren't totally worthless. But when we were looking at um, water safety, uh, you know, as I mentioned uh, previously, my uh, earlier in the episode, my wife's grandfather has a lake house down in East Texas. And so we're around, we go there a lot. And so she's always going to be around the water. So we went, we want her to have basic survival skills, even as little as she can. And there's this place called Aquatots, um, and they teach water safety as early as four months old. So we we found this out in when my daughter was I want to say it's six months, um, and so we started we started her in those lessons. And you start it's re, they have a really cool concept because they explain the science behind it that everybody has a natural reflex to hold their breath. You just have to when they're little. You work on repetition. Everything is routine, and you ingrain that routine into them. And when they're that little, you start out by not fully submerging them at first, but then eventually you get up to it. And the way you do it is you count like one, two, three, and you each time you like kind of drop them a little bit towards the water and catch them. And the last time before you put them in, you blow right in the middle of their face. So they go, <gasps> you know, that surprise, like, whoa, you just blew my faith, my face. And you so blew my faith. <laughs> you blew my faith. You blew my faith. <laughs> Hashtag blew my faith. No. Um, you blew in my face and so you're startled and then when they go <gasps> you push the you know you push them underwater to the coach the teacher and then they pick them up and by the time they've traveled underwater and you pick them up they've been holding their breath the whole time and so you train them like you keep going and you you extrapolate on that the older they get but i mean my daughter's been there since six months and she moved up from level one and level two where the parents are there with the kids the whole time teaching them and stuff and the parents are learning the water safety too then level three which my daughter just started a couple months ago they're by themselves with the coach and they bond with the coach and so they're getting more and more independent and it's great to have your kids in swim lessons whenever you can right but i've noticed with my daughter she's been a lot more comfortable as it's gone on whereas there's been older kids that have come in at each level like two and three and just started then and they've had a harder time kind of getting used to the water because they because they said 
the human body naturally is comfortable with the water because of the womb and, and all of that. And then as you get older, you lose that. And then to retrain yourself after you've lost that comfort is harder than to just keep it going. Yeah. So that's what we kind of try to do. And, and we're going to keep going. And my daughter loves it. She looks forward to swim class every, every week. So it's fun. It's fun watching her now not being in there and seeing her do all these really cool things like diving down and getting the ring from the bottom and, and like jumping in towards yeah. the teacher. And they're working now on like actual proper diving. So they're working on jumping with an arc. Well, that's what, that's you know, it's, I think one of the important things, and you see them all around, especially public pools, but it's, you have the, the basic rules. So again, it comes, water safety is not just about being in the water, it's being around the water. So right. with swimming pools, of course, you don't run because it's slick. And even if you have sticky feet like Ellie does, like if you slip, fall, and you bust your head, you're, you're going into the water. And if someone's not paying attention, like you're going to drown. Like, right. you know, and you have to be, um, you know, it's just super careful. It's, you dunk, you know, dunking is one of the things that we did as kids, but all it takes is someone, you to dunk someone that's not ready. They take a mouthful of water in that one mouthful of water, you know, they, they, uh, I forget what it's called. Secondary drowning where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you, you get into, you, you get the, what is it? Uh, Amanda knows this better than I do, but, but it's, you, it's, you, you get you the water, water. Like in your lungs and yeah. you don't drown till later. Yeah. And it's like, you seem completely normal. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you look up and it's like your kid is drowning. Yeah. You don't know what's wrong about time you take them to the hospital is too late. So it's that's a really huge concern of mine. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's really no, it's, it's really scary. I do want to. So just kind of I forgot to mention that the number one thing they teach from day one is always when you go down, turn towards the wall and grab the wall and hold on to oh, the yeah. wall. That's the number one thing they teach throughout all of the swim lessons is wherever you are, find the wall, grab it, pull yourself up. Yeah. And so even if you can't pull yourself out, you can hold on to the wall and then you can call for help. Well, and so that is like a life skill yeah. she's always going to have. That's smart. There was one time I dove off the uh, the high dive at the public swimming pool because uh, I was showing off for that girl. Sure. And I went chili in. Chili bowl haircut girl. I went in at. Uh, well, go on at the chili bowl haircut, not the girl. Yeah. I like to pretend the girl did too. <laughs> but I went in at a real weird angle. And I, I don't know if I hit my neck funny, but I was disoriented. And, you know, when you're diving, like you're down in the middle of the water and I couldn't tell which way was up, Ooh. which, you know, it's like that, that's added to my like fear of like thacelophobia or whatever it is, where it's like the fear of the ocean. Right. But all I know is, is I was level headed enough to swim. I knew I was, if I swam in one direction, swam in one direction that I would either hit the surface. Listen to one direction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. But it's like, I would either hit the bottom or hit the top and I made it to the bottom. I was able to push up and it's like, sure. it was one of those where I've had these few moments in the water. And actually that brings me to another moment here in a second with the ocean that it's like, in the water, I, I'm at least calm enough, even if I'm disoriented, to think and save, like, essentially, kind of like save myself, even though a life car would have jumped in. But on a mission trip that John and I did, we went to Florida, um, Panama City Beach, and they, uh, the beach, so of course, beach has different levels of flags. They have blue, red, and, or blue, yellow, and red. Blue is like smooth water, which it almost never is. Yellow is there's chop, a little bit of riptide, and then red is like there are serious waves. The beach is almost always closed. And they let the beach open on a red flag day. And I'm like, you know, I was 14. I was a good swimmer, overly confident, maybe 15. Super red confident. Flag. And, man, next thing, you know, it's like they, they, you talk, you hear stories about Riptide. Next thing you know, I'm, I'm I don't know, I don't know, 40, 50 yards. It, it, that's what it seemed like. It seemed like I was really far out. And I was trying to swim against the Riptide. Mm, and then they tell sure. you not to do that. You'll tie yourself out. People drown. There are no lifeguards on the beach. And... 
I remembered one of the things that the people at the the cab, like where we were staying, told us is like if you end up out swim at an angle to the to the beach, and man, by the time and I, I fortunately I was able to remember that. I didn't go back in the. I haven't gone back in the ocean since. Like we were there for a few more days, and it's like I was so. Maybe that's why I'm scared of the ocean. But I was so. Yeah. I was so worn out. That's very. That's very good advice. I did not actually know that. Yeah. But that is solid advice for the ocean because you you when you're thinking you're like let me just swim back to the beach. Yeah. You're not thinking like let me think of logistics and how the waves are going. Yeah. No, that that's very care. That's very good. And I think the biggest thing with water safety with being a dad is you want to kind of teach your kids the basic skills. Cause you, you can't control anything they're going to do, no. but you try and be like, like with Sylvie. And like I said, it's never too late to start your kid with water safety. And they're especially summer. They're always right. in a pool and around that you want to do that, but that's <laughs> hashtag weird. pulling around, yeah. <laughs> pulling around. <laughs> but it's, around. And, and I guess one of the big, you know, you, you talk about lakes. If you swim back to shore, that works in lakes. Right. But one of the biggest things in water safety and, and I didn't as a kid, I touched on earlier was you got to wear life jackets. Yes. I mean, you hear about these water tragedies. So there was one here recently locally where they were like in a rock, a rock quarry mm. and these two dudes jumped in to like Boulder save the kids or whatever. Fell on a kid. Really? No. Oh. Um, and had, it's a rock quarry. Oh. The, um, I don't know. <laughs> these two two guys jumped in to save the kids and they drowned. They, didn't wear, they weren't wearing life jackets. Mm. And it's like you hear so many stories of they were found not wearing a life jacket. Yeah. And if you're going to go into a lake the ocean wear a life vest like it's that's so important and i know it's and actually they were talking about like one of the hosts of the morning show that i listened to they talked about they have life vests now that don't actually inflate until you hit the water and when you hit okay. the water that the the sensor will then inflate and so it's it's not restrictive and it's even more reason to wear one yeah and it's like yeah. what would you rather do be restricted in your swimming or die i mean it's like yeah it's not a hard decision so anytime that i go on a, if i were to go on a boat now i uh would be I'd be wearing a, a life vest. Sure. Um, Speaking of horror stories, I just wanted to throw this in. Uh, <clears throat> Dad, you owe it to yourself if you haven't heard of instinctive drowning response. Go look it up. Do some research on it because um, when a human being drowns, it's rarely, if ever, like they portray in movies and television shows. Yeah. It's generally way less dramatic. It's way quieter um, because the person who's drowning, their body is solely focused on trying to get that next breath and live, yeah. not, not trying to wave their arms and yell at people for help. Yep. Go so, onto YouTube and you can yeah. search for lifeguard saves person drowning. And you was like, there was one that's on Reddit the other day, and I'm, it's it is shocking how almost normal it looks. Like they just look yeah. like other keeps playing. Like you said, there's no splashing. Movies are great. Like it's great for effect. That's not how real life works. Yeah, like it's it's sad. Like I I read a story about a, a lifeguard that ran past parents to their kid that was in the water right behind them right that was drowning and the parents had no idea well, it's you like, know? and if that if that lifeguard hadn't been trained and known what to look for then yeah. you know and, yeah it, you know that's one of the things is even if ellie learns to swim it's not like i'm gonna be like okay go see you later it, it's it's i'm gonna it's like stay stay where i can see you right you know because it's like i'm not at the swimming pool i'm not gonna be i'm not gonna lay out and get sun because i would turn into a crisp even though i'm i'm Likely part of Amer- part of Native American, like I, I crisp up, like I it's I get I, I burn really really crisp bad. up, crisp, crisp up. up. Um, but yeah, you know, they, there are a lot of things with summer. You know, you talk about grilling, and especially if you do a charcoal grill. I stepped on a charcoal, hurts like a bitch. Oh my god, <laughs> like it is pain. I always wear flip flops, but it's like you have to be careful, especially when you're dealing with an open grill flame. safety. Everybody, yeah. yeah. 
I mean, but that's one of the things with Don't summer. It's like how many people, brick. how many people cook out and let their kids just run around, and it's yeah. like you have to tell your teach your kids to respect that heat. I mean, how many so people many different... grill their kids? You know <laughs> what I mean? You got to stop doing that, dads. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. That that went dark. On that note, <laughs> that we're got gonna... crisp up. That crisped up. Yeah. That's a really little crisped bit crisped up to that that segment there. A little bit of summer talk, but mostly about swimming, water safety, and stuff. It is incredibly important. Educate yourself on what drowning looks like. Um, you know, teach your kids water safety. Teach your kids to swim, especially with the melting ice caps. It's never too young for water safety. Nope, either. never too young for water safety. It's never too late for now. Yep. It's never so too late. Here in a moment, now. we will be back with America's three favorite segments of all time ever history. We're back. Right. Dude, you came in with a lot of energy that time. <coughs> and lost it. Yeah, and lost it. <laughs> and yeah, my, that destroyed my throat. But no, we're, we are back mm-hmm. with America's Favorite Segments. That's right. Guys, I wanted to start with America's Favorite Segment, Ask the Dads. That uh, is and a fair way to start. I have a question that I'd like to run around the table here to you guys. All right, but you have to run around and ask us. Ooh. I will. I will. I'll start running around right now, and I'm going to ask the question. Oh, we hear a sad baby in the background? No, that's just my daughter. Oh, okay, that's just your daughter. <laughs> Speaking of your daughter, you guys are both dads of young daughters. I like your transition. Thank you. Uh, four years old and two years old, right? Yep. Yes. Right now. Um, so hopefully you don't have to worry about this for several years, but I'm wondering how young is too young for your daughters to start dating? Well, that is a very fair question. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to impose a limit on my daughter having a boyfriend at school. Or girlfriend, if she's so inclined. Like, I, you know, she seems boy crazy at the moment. She is definitely boy crazy. Oh my god, it's I'm I'm doomed. But it's, <laughs> you know, I I if she wants to get into that that whole thing, you know, then at this point I don't, I don't foresee myself unless unless my wife and I agree that she's not emotionally ready. Sure, which maybe she won't be. But you know, if she wants to have a little boyfriend at school, then that's. Whatever. If she wants to have her boyfriend over, I was just saying before we started this, like, I'm not inclined to have them close the door, like, leave the door open. It's like, I want to have built up trust with my daughter that, you know, she's, I mean, the way I look at it is kids are going to have sex, whether you want them to or not. Whether you do everything you can to stop them, they will find a way. Sure. I can't be around them all the time. I mean, heck, it happened at our school in little, like, little conservative River Oaks, like a town of nobody, you know, like where everyone knew each other for the most part. They, like... Kids still found ways to to get pregnant in the middle of school. Like, kids were having sex, and it's like, why fight a battle that I'm not going to win? I don't want to. I don't want to necessarily like give up. You've already run up the white flag. She's four years old, and you're doomed. No, I did this when she as soon as she was born. I'm like, man, this is this is my attitude going in. That way, every step I took will be towards that goal of having that trust and of like being like. Look, I know this is not a fun conversation to have with your parents, but and have the the sex conversation where it's like if she needs to get on birth control, assuming that's still legal in whatever years, I'll get her on birth control. I want her to be educated. I want her to have, you know, a thing and, and realize that it's like it's quite likely that my daughter is going to send out nude pics on whatever version of Snapchat they have that I need to educate her. Instead of trying to practically stop her, I need to educate her is why it's not a smart decision that goes to dating. 
of what to look for, what kind of, of, of boy to look for. And hopefully that she's at a point where she can communicate with us when she has concerns. So it, when it's too young, I mean, I think if she has a boyfriend at 12 in sixth grade, then great. Like if she waits until she's like I was and doesn't have a girlfriend until her junior year of high school or a boy, I mean a boyfriend, whatever she has, then great. That's fine too. It worked for me. I mean, I made up for lost time after high school, but <laughs> but know. I think but I think the That's bonus the, content. the yeah, yeah. I think the value in that is is accurate. Oh, I'm I'm right along the same lines of I think it's just, you know, I'm not going to set limits on it. I think I am going to try and teach you to be emotionally matured to the fact that you're going to make those judgments yourself and I want to be open and available so you can have these conversations and as you're like this is my boyfriend I'm like all right well that's not going to last but I'm here if you want to talk about it and we can learn from it and move on and I think you're right kids are going to do what they're going to do you need to make them better prepared so they're ready to do that whenever whenever they choose to do that that's interesting I'd like to hear some counter perspectives on that from dads and we were talking about this question with your wife Joe and uh, she said that we should add the disclaimer that Neither of you are going through that yet, so maybe yeah. you'll change your mind. That's still, when, that's when, still eight to ten years away. Yes. Yeah, so, so we'll see. We'll see. It'll be interesting to check in with you guys post that, right. all that stuff happening. <laughs> Episode 1,391. Totally, Thanks. totally. Um, so, yes, Sean, what is the next America's favorite segment? Well, America's next favorite Next to favorite. Next to favorite. Don't ever go. Don't ever go full Mario. Yeah. I thought you were like going Scandinavian for a second. It's Hey, shout out to our Scandinavian dads. I think there's like one that listens. That's cool. Is he isolated? Well, America's favorite segment is, of course, dad jokes. So, guys, I have just a couple of terrible one-liners to get us going here. You know, Joe, you're a pretty fart smeller. <laughs> what is a what does the letter T and an island have in common? I don't know what. They're both surrounded by water, wow. or they're both in the middle of water. Oh, oh! <laughs> I, draw, I, I, I questionable it. dismount. Oh man, <laughs> I'll edit that. That's okay. Oh, I was going to tell really. a chemistry joke, but I knew I wouldn't get a reaction. Nice, nice. That's 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 terrible, guys. I just I, I just asked my dad for his best dad joke, uh-huh. and he said you. Wow. <laughs> That's great. Uh, I do want you guys to remember that there's no I in denial. Wow. There's what? no Dunno. I in denial. I don't get hey, it. guys, I just want you to remember there's no I in denial. All right. Well, I tried it three times and it just didn't work. <laughs> so. I must be. Can you? Uh, can you? Uh, wow. You know what? No, let's just leave it. Let's just leave it. I was going to actually explain it. Never mind. To to beat all of ours, here's a joke from our friend Jonathan. Good old Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What is America's next, last, greatest ever historical favorite segment ever? Well, that's a little segment we like to call Things You Should Check Out. Now, (laughs) sometimes we call it Things to Check Out. But whatever. This is just where we talk about things that we think that are cool that you should check out. They can be dad-related, but most times they're not. I mean, almost every time they're just not related to fatherhood. It's just things that we like because we're nerds and like different things. This is true. So, guys, I found... This this week I have a podcast recommendation. What? And I'm I'm really late to the party on this because this podcast started releasing back in 2014, but I just found it recently. (gasps) It is a podcast that's produced by This American Life called Serial. Yeah. Have you heard Serial? Yes. Dun, 
Dun, dun. Oh, I love cereal. Cereal is amazing. They've they've had they had two seasons of it, um, and now there's a newer podcast uh, that they they made that's released called S Town. I think I plugged episodes. out a couple episodes ago. Did you really cereal? I th- no S Town. Oh, S Town. Okay, S Town's so really good. What cereal so is, is cereal, but... each of the two seasons is the whole season is uh, an episodic essentially telling of a particular story. So season one, it's of a guy that got convicted of murder when he was 17 or mm-hmm. for a murder that occurred when he was 17. Um, now it's 15 years later or something. The guy's in his thirties and, and this journalist, the host lady is like re visiting the case. And, yes. and so every episode is about a different aspect of the case with the idea that like, Hey, did this guy get wrongfully convicted? Right fascinating um the second season is about a soldier an american soldier in afghanistan who walked off his post got captured by the taliban there was a five-year ordeal that followed and sort of what's happened since then and i'm in the middle of listening to that one right now Mm -hmm. and uh it's amazing so it's interesting uh people so if you're not familiar with who that is it's bo bergdahl uh i know president obama got a lot of flack for getting him back in the exchange and so this this season second season serial kind of bore out of why there was so much controversy yeah totally and all of yeah it's it's just everything it's like every aspect mm-hmm. of the story which yep. is pretty awesome so anyways check that out serial um unless you're one of the millions of people that have already listened to it <laughs> in which case check out what joe and galan have for you this week i'm speaking of something that's been checked out by millions of people in about less than a month from when this drops we are getting Season 7 of Game of Thrones. So I know that's a super popular um, TV show, but some people have been on the fence. Out. I had a co-worker. That, that was Duel of the Fates. <laughs> I was like, that was not <laughs> the theme song. Um, nope. 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 Keep trying. That would be my ringtone in about three weeks for a week leading up and then through the series. But it's, you know, so... You there, know nothing, Galan Aldaco. There are people that are on the fence about watching it. They don't, maybe they want to get invested. But man, now is the time to catch up. It is not a kid-appropriate show. No. Like it, <laughs> Way too many boobs. Yeah, we might let, we might let Ellie Way watch too. Walking Dead because we can tell her that's fake. But there's, it's hard to fake, like, injury to people and boobs and sex and all that stuff. Like and that. wieners. Yeah, and, and wieners. So um, many. But man, it is, that is a... Such a kick-ass show. Um, so go through, get HBO Now, which is 15 bucks. You don't have to have it. If you have DirecTV or in, a, in AT&T, like they have, there's a thing that they do where you can get free HBO if you sign up for one of their unlimited plans. Borrow a friend's HBO Go login, whatever. Watch the show. Binge through the series. It's it's good. It's there, you know There's 13 episodes, 10 or 13 episodes per season, so it's not like a ton of, of episodes. And then... Watch with anticipation starting on July 16th when it comes out. That's, dude, I I am I'm more excited about that than I am Rick and Morty, and I am I have like a huge Whoa. Rick and Morty hard on going right now. Wow. HBO, you're welcome. Yes, you're welcome to the Detox Podcast. You're, gonna, you're gonna enjoy that Detox boost <laughs> yeah. in the popularity of Game of Thrones. <laughs> so far, I feel like Galan and I have been like, you know what's really cool? You should check out Oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> You, you know what? You breathe. know what? You should check out. You should check out cool stuff because it's cool. <laughs> but no, Joe, man. only you can save this segment. Okay, help so, us, Joe. You're our only hope. So Obi Joe Kenobi. Hey, whoa, Joe Joby Joe Kenobi. Nice, Joby Joe can Joby one Kenobi. Can Joby? We're just gonna keep. All right, I'm done. 
So my recommendation for things to check out is a little-known Netflix show. It just aired its final season. Called House of Cards. <laughs> that was last time. Orange is the New Black. That was last time. Sense8. Nope. That guy canceled. That guy canned. I'm sorry. sorry. I didn't watch it. I was going to watch it, and I heard it got canceled, and I went, oh God, maybe I'm I don't want to watch it now. Daredevil. No, it's called Bloodline. I've talked okay. to Galan about this. He was like, I haven't heard this. I it watched stars- part of the first season. You did? Yeah. It's fantastic. You probably didn't think so because you no no I oh, liked okay. it I just haven't gotten back to it sure it stars Kyle MacLachlan who you might know or recognize from Friday Night Lights the TV show also the dad in uh, Super Eight right uh, maybe it's been too long since I've seen that oh okay. yeah the dude from Friday Night Lights yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. He is in Super 8. Yes, yeah. you're right. Kyle MacLachlan. Uh, it also stars Ben Mendelsohn, who has been a character actor for a lot, but you'll recognize him from Star Wars uh, Rogue One. Yeah, he he's been in a that. million great He was movies. also in The Dark Knight Rises as like some swarmy, smarmy millionaire hey, he's dude. He's one of the businessmen. Yeah, Blue Christ. Ruins. And what, what was that? Uh, Kill Them Softly or whatever that Brad Kill Them Softly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so he's in that too. So. He's like a character actor. And so the whole premise of the show, they intended for it to be three seasons. So the third and final season just released on Netflix at the end of May. You should check that out. But the whole premise of it is you have this family called the Rayburns who have always done everything right. And they're this prim and proper family and they own this piece of real estate. And they're very highly you know, thought of in the Florida yeah, Everglades and kind of in the round that area It's beautifully shot. And the whole premise is they do the tagline is we've done a bad thing, but we're not bad people. And so I'm not going to spoil what that is, but it builds on the fact that Ben Mendelsohn's character has kind of a fractured relationship with the rest of his siblings and his parents. And so it's him coming back for a family reunion. And then the events unroll from there. Season two is dealing with the fallout from season one. Season three is dealing with even more fallout and wrapping it up to see, can they redeem themselves from this bad thing they did? So it's very interesting, very engaging, beautifully shot, very big character actor focused. Um, you should check it out. Bloodline can on I, Netflix. Uh, can I confess something? Sure. Ben Mendelsohn was my least favorite part of Rogue One. Oh, I think he's such a great actor. He's he so he is, but it's yeah. like that uh, director critic was my least favorite part of that movie. That's oh, fair, but you should good. check this out and uh, and change your opinion of him as an actor. I didn't. Yeah. I just said I don't like him as an actor. It's been he's it's my okay. least favorite part of Ben. Listens to this. Oh podcast my god! Stop putting mind. words in my mouth. I'm going to go crazy. <laughs> I Hulk out right here. <laughs> well, guys, it's that time again. I want to thank once again Tom. Oh, no, Shalou. no, no, don't. don't. Oh, it's oh. that time again to pat ourselves on the back. Oh. Oh, let's pat ourselves on the back first. I'm hey guys, John's back. Real mediocre job this time. Everybody. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's all my fault. You guys should fire me. No, you have all the equipment. Uh, that's right. No, no, but I, I did just want to say thanks to Tom Shalou for coming yeah, on. Thanks and so much. Thank you so much. His new book, guys, check out that book. We'll have it in the show notes. Um, and, and that was just really cool of him to spend some time with us. Uh, guys, check out Water Safety. Yes, you know, be yeah, a responsible absolutely. parent around the water here in uh, summertime. Yep, swimming is fun. Make sure that your kids are safe. And are we going to vote on the hashtag for the episode? Well, we I could vote we on the hashtag, is. but I kind of have... You're ruining John's flow, man. I, I'm sorry. No, he's not. He's not. I, I kind of have... Okay, we'll, we'll throw some of these out. Hashtag belly full of beer. <laughs> hashtag Zangarant. Dude, I think <laughs> if we went back and listened to our podcast, I think probably in a good six episodes so far, we probably mentioned Zanga. <laughs> Look, <laughs> this is like the most promotion they've gotten in decades. <laughs> Zanga.com. Contact us at promotions at detoxpodcast.com we're gonna bring it back one dad at a time there we, we are. are hashtag pulling around it's pretty funny <laughs> yeah. uh hashtag crisp up 
Uh, but one, perhaps, this is going to be my vote for this week. Hashtag Mean Dads. Yes. Yeah, hashtag Mean Dads. We good with that? All right, hashtag Mean Dads, guys. Um, remember, hashtag Be a Better Dad. And we will see you again in two weeks with meteorologist Pete Delkis. Shout out and special thanks to Justin and John for supporting the Detox Podcast. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks.